Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. To Leather Brains, your host, Slapdog here, and boy, is it a full house. I have both Alan and Scotty for Monday, October 30th, episode 142. Alan, welcome back. How was the Hawaiian roller coaster ride, my friend? It was fun. Hawaii's fun. Um, it is an island. It is hot. Um, I did get a lot of sun. I had a lot of drinks. Um, it was super dehydrated, and then I felt that all on the plane ride back. Damn. So good to be back. Sick. How long did you get to watch... Ride? Yeah, go ahead. How long was the plane ride? Um, it was six hours to Vegas and then two hours home. Six uh, hours on a plane sounds like literally. I'm not gonna lie, like it's, you're like you have a couple movies lined up. <clears throat> I did watch Draft Day, which is always a good classic. But yeah, <clears throat> good one. When you're on the plane like that, you're just like, and we flew Southwest, which I wanted to upgrade to first class, and you can't do that on Southwest. So I'm just sitting in this sweaty tin box with my knees on my forehead, like. <laughs> Just waiting the six hours to pass. Oh. God. Well, did you get to watch any football? I know that there's a time difference. Yeah, that was probably the craziest thing because we got there Monday and my body's just like, you know, you look at the clock, you look at your watch, you're like 630. You're like, all right, we got to start getting ready, getting settled for Monday Night Football. And it was two in the afternoon. And like I knew the time distance, time difference. But we were sitting down at a bar getting some lunch and it was like it was two in the Monday night football coverage started and I was like, the sun's right overhead. Everybody's like laying out, just having fun. I'm like, what the fuck? And you look at the TV and it's nighttime. I'm like, there's no way this is the same country. This feels like a giant miss. There is no way that Hawaii is, is paying attention to the NFL and surprised they generally weren't because just games were on it. The yeah, time you wanted to be on just, the beach. Time's just different when you're having fun out in the, uh, the vacations of Hawaii, I suppose. And then Thursday, yeah. Thursday night football with the bills. <laughs> Um, I was on a beach again. It was our last day there, and it was again same thing. It was like, oh yeah, football's about to be on. <laughs> but it was like not even <laughs> body was not not built for that. I needed to be dark. Well, yeah, you got. I mean, like that's prototypically when we're watching football is like it's either middle of the afternoon or nighttime. That's when we yeah. watch football. So I get it. But at any case, it's good to have you back. Welcome back yes, to uh, stateside. Not that Hawaii is not a state, but it's more. I guess everything's mainland. an island. They call it yeah, the mainland. mainland. There you go. There they call you go. it the mainland. I but learned. technically... The motherland. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> think about this. Technically, everything's an island, if you really think about it. It's just the mm. size of it. Um, but, but also, everything's not an island. because you know. I think an island needs to be crest. surrounded by water on all sides. What is Tectonic a continent? plates are always moving. Bingo. All right. Well... We got to talk about NFL football. That's what the people are here to see or and or listen to if they're on the podcast following day. So, Scotty, why don't you take us away with the uh, the MVP of Week 8? Yes, the Leatherbrains MVP of the Week, which is brought to you by Prime Society, luxury leather bags, backpacks, and accessories. So you should join elite athletes like Tyreek Hill and Clay Thompson by checking out primesociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories like wallets, and I think they have some belts, awesome stuff over there. Whether you're looking for the perfect high-quality gift that won't break the bank or you want to turn heads with the swagger of a pro athlete, Prime Society is the answer. Your fantasy MVP, which will disclose in just a moment helped you secure the bag in your league so make sure you secure the bag with primesociety.com use promo code lbz20 to get 20 percent off your order today again lbz20 at primesociety.com to get 20 percent off today and 
your Leather Brains Fantasy MVP of the Week is Mr. C.D. Lamb. 41 PPR points, 12 receptions, excuse me, which is a career high, and 158 yards, which is a career high, and two touchdowns. I'm surprised. C.D. Lamb has been one of the – I mean, he has been quiet all season, so to come out and do this was – anybody who owns C.D. Lamb had to be very, very excited of it or about it, and uh, congratulations to him, man. He definitely – he went off this week and and definitely got it done for you and certainly deserves that that bag. So uh, very easily the MVP of the week. Let's go to the studs and duds. Matt, Mr. Scotty Del Rey, I want you to bring me your dud of the week to kick this off. We're starting it off sad, huh? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you can probably predict my stud of the week, which is, uh, you know, by connection, the Chiefs. But most importantly here, Taylor Swift let us all down. She let Mm -hmm. us all down. She decides to show up to all these games. She decides to help us win all these games. And then she's like, oh, wait, I got a tour in Argentina starting next month. I should probably get stuff sort sorted out for that. And then she just leaves. And guess what? We lose. So I think uh, Taylor Swift deserves the dud of the week. She definitely uh, is ruining my life and maybe the life of Travis Kelsey, which would also ruin my life even more. So uh, Taylor Swift, um, you got to come back. That's the only solution. I saw, you know, there's a lot of there's that statistic floating around that Travis Kelsey does significantly better with her in the building, and she was not there, and I think it showed this week. And I know yeah. that we're going to talk about the Chiefs and uh, the Broncos a lot more uh, later down the road. So I think I think Taylor Swift is a smart NFL fan. She was cherry picking the games that she knew their secondary was going to be a little softer for <laughs> Travis Kelsey to get in there. So I think she was scouting the games like, mm. hey, these guys, these linebackers are a little slow. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. They don't play the types of coverage as needed. So I'm going to go watch Travis's game at this time. I think that, I mean, I think she's smart. I think she's just cherry picking games. I don't think she's doing she's a good luck charm. There's the leather brains to, to get all that information. <laughs> there's no argument. So I, I actually, I'd like to talk about Taylor Swift for just a moment, which is not something I I've ever said hmm. before. Hmm. I watched her documentary. Uh, what was it? Oh, a week ago, I think. Miss Americana. I watched it. It's on Hulu or Netflix, one of the two. I watched her documentary, um, mostly not my choice. My fiance had said, I'm going to watch this and you're going to sit down and we're going to watch this. And so I thought, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to get to know Kelsey's boo thing. Mm. I'm not I'm not a Swifty. I do like some of her songs, but I'm mm-hmm. not a Swifty. And I've just got to say... She's pretty impressive. All things considered, Taylor Swift is pretty impressive. And the the thing that was very in, insane to me just sitting there on the couch watching this is obviously you can talk about people of power and you can talk about every like, you know, the president or political figures or whatever, but at one point in the in Miss Americana this documentary, Taylor Swift kind of went off script and wanted to vocalize her public or political opinions on something. And she had a whole team of people sitting around her and they were like, don't do it. Don't do it. Like this is good. Your career is going to be over. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if I went on Twitter right now and put my public opinion out there, no one gives a rat's ass. But this person is so damn powerful that like this could, this is like potentially life changing. She, she did whatever she did and she posted like her thoughts and opinions on somebody like a political figure in Tennessee where she's from the next day, they saw a voter spike of 50,000 people. 
Like in, and I'm just like, damn, man. Like you can't argue with how how powerful she is, and she's very hardworking. She's very smart. I was impressed. So I, I, I got a hand. Think it to she needs to. I don't think she needs to be afraid of anything. She's now a no. billionaire. She yeah. obviously has this cult uh, following that mm-hmm. will do whatever she wants. Like she could, she could do anything and it wouldn't matter she would have a fan base immediately and she can like people are talking about how she is like changing local economies like based on where her tour goes and and, like it's it it's mind-blowing i mean she she figured out life better than literally everybody else easily so i got handed to her i was impressed um and i'm sorry that she was your dud of the week because she wasn't there but uh, alan who's your dud of the week my friend uh, I guess the same theme. Um, my dud of the week was Brett Veach, the Chiefs GM. Uh, we talked about it beginning of the season. I think this game highlighted it. Mahomes just doesn't trust his receiving core. There's a stat out there that the Chiefs, uh, amongst all wide receiving cores, their wide receiving group has the least amount of separation in the league. Um, all of their wide receivers, except for Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, are actually below, way below the league average in separation. So I think Brett Veach needs to pull his head out of his ass. He had the opportunity to get some good wide receivers this offseason. I think Hubris and relying on what's worked in the past, I think it's going to catch up to the Chiefs in some of these games where it is close and you need somebody to take the top off. I think the Chiefs, um, they can beat a lot of teams with what they have, but I think if they really want to get back to where they are, I don't think they can replicate what happened last season. And I think my dud is Brett Veach, and he better do something before this trade deadline comes up. Otherwise, Scotty, we might be looking in for a long year. <laughs> I think that's an accurate statement. I And I, I don't think it takes like a Chiefs fan to figure that out. I, I think that you can see it on the field and, and, you've relied on Patrick Mahomes for so long and the ancillary pieces that you've given him while not having, obviously Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are great. And those are like the two that have been there for him, but it shows it shows you're starting to see a more reliant run game, which is great for Isaiah Pacheco. But like in years past, there hasn't been a run game because it's been Patrick Mahomes airing it through through there. So this offense looks a little bit different, and I, I tend to agree. I think it's because your wide receivers just aren't good. And and I don't want to spill all the all the tea because we mm-hmm. are going to talk about this Broncos-Chiefs game, so I'll, I'll hold a little bit of it back. But my dud of the week being Brian Dable, mm. which sucks. And and I, I don't know if he's on the hot seat. I think that's maybe a potential he could be on the hot seat, but I, I don't know if that's also a fair statement to say because the Giants have no quarterback. They had, I think it was, the statistic was negative negative nine offensive yards total this last week. I think it was negative nine yards. So um, terrible. Absolutely terrible. And it's tough to see. But uh, Brian Dable, I mean, he's the head coach here. And I think he has to share a fair... He has to assume a fair share of the blame in that one because that's not a good look, man. And the, I, the Giants are bad. Which is insane because we saw the Giants last year and the Giants made a playoff push and we're doing something and then you you see now what the Giants are and it's it's terrible. So it's just kind of interesting. And Brian Dable, I think, deserves the dud of the week for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I think it's certainly fair to give him some of the blame. But the big difference with this Giants team is just their offensive line. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones was never never an MVP type quarterback. 
but he was able to get the job done because he had some time and was able to make some plays with his legs last season. And this season, there is just no time at all. And that's evidenced by the fact that every quarterback they put back there gets some terrible injury. Like they just can't, yeah. there's, there, yeah. there's no time to do anything. So Brian yeah. Dable can't take all the blame because the way that this roster is constructed is, is screwing this team over a lot. I mean, even if you could just replace this offensive line with an average offensive line, I think you see a much improved Giants organization. Well, yeah, I'm gonna... I get it. I think, I think real, real quick, when you yeah. have Tyrod Taylor and then a guy named Tommy DeVito as your options at quarterback, I generally think you're going to struggle, um, <laughs> especially when the guy named Danny DeVito goes for two for seven <laughs> for negative one yard passing. It's good luck, and they still only lost by a field goal. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, no, it just sucks. <laughs> I I feel for Giants fans right now because I don't even know what you do. Like obviously. Like you're, they're all pissed off that Daniel Jones is their quarterback. Their offensive line is bad. Saquon Barkley, what's his future look like? There's just like it's a cascading, like abysmal. And I get it. I'm a Cardinals fan. I know, but um, I don't. I don't live in the Giants side of things. And quick and question for you, kind of sucks. Okay, quick question for both of you. How many carries did Saquon Barkley have this week? Don't look it up. <sighs> I'm gonna say nine. Saquon? I didn't watch this game, but I'm guessing it was. I mean, he no, should be. He theoretically be. should be the entire offense, but I'm guessing okay, based on the fact that you're asking this question, it's That's lower why than it nine. should be. So I, I'm going to guess give like number. Thir- 13. He had 36 carries. Oh, shit. Holy really shit. For 3.6 yards a carry. <laughs> oh, my God. So he was the entire offense. 36 carries legitimately was the entire offense because Tyrod Taylor had is the next with five carries, but he went out with an injury. So Saquon had 36. They were just like, fuck it. Here you go. Just run into that wall all game, please. Oh, did you know the Giants? Yeah. That I mean, that was their whole game plan. Just I mean, I get the game plan, That's but been their game carries. plan though. It's just let Saquon Barkley be the whole offense. I mean, it's the same thing that Mike Rabel's done with Derrick Henry for the last five years. Like that's their game plan. Yeah, that is the game unreal. Plan, so it sucks. I'm gonna yeah. let's get more positive, boys. There's been a lot of negativity with these duds. I'll bring you my stud of the week. It's the Tush Push 2.0. So if you Ooh. have not seen it. The uh, the Eagles in their win over the Commanders this week, they did a, a fake tush push. So the Eagles are known for doing their tush push. They do it better than anybody else in the NFL. And this week, they they lined up to do a tush push. It was a fake. Jalen Hurts went to – he took the snap, fake like he was going to run it, put the ball behind his back, and DeAndre Swift grabbed it. They ran a sweep, touchdown. Pretty damn cool. Yeah, Very what's, easily. What's crazy uh, was about play that is that – they probably never have to do a fake ever again because <laughs> now that they did it once, every team's mm-hmm. like, fuck, what? Like, we it. can't stop the regular version of <laughs> yeah. this play. What so are we supposed to do about this? You just let them have it because it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You either give them the one yard and they get the first down or you give them a touchdown if you're not watching the sweep. Right. So, like, it's it's tough sledding for them. Or you could even right. fake it and do a pass. You could. Well, what, oh, don't don't give defenses that on their plate too. <laughs> now they're just going to be in a pretzel. The, yeah. the touch push did fail once, and it was only because Hertz fumbled. Yeah. So he's yeah. the only way to stop the touch push is if the Eagles stop themselves. I pretty much pretty much is what we've learned. You just have to start whispering Jalen Hurts' like, name, getting his own head. Yeah, something terrible happens. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Scotty, who's your stud of the week, buddy? Uh, it's CMC. He could be the stud of the week every week. Um, this is a guy that I drafted a lot of in this offseason, and I think he might just be the cheat code to fantasy football. 
I don't have a lot of analytics here. It's just amazing having him on my team, and I feel blessed as a fantasy manager to be able to look at my roster and see Christian McCaffrey at the top of that list. Um, so, yeah, CMC's still God. As long as he stays healthy, he'll be God. Okay. God is your stud this week. Uh, Alan, your stud. Everybody all aboard the Gus freaking bus. Uh, I, I picked this one because I picked him up in a few leagues and I was waiting for this payoff. And it finally happened this week where the carry slanted his way. 19 carries, 80 yards, three touchdowns. Touchdown runs of seven yards, one yard, and one yard, just like we love it. <laughs> the goal Don't line, baby. Don't need you to break the long one. Just get me those six points. And so uh, Gus Edwards, I think, finally being a part of this offense like I was anticipating him to be, kind of being that goal line push in. Um, and so... Hopefully we can see that continue to uptick for him. But yeah, Gus, Gus, Gus Edwards, eighty yards, three touchdowns. My stud. Ooh, of the week. you want? I got a, I got a bonus dud of the week because I own <laughs> Gus Bus and CD Lamb in one league, and I didn't play either of them. Mm. So I got a, what? I got a real solid receiving core, and I had to choose between him and Jordan Addison, and I was like, ah, Jordan Addison will be, will be good, and CD Lamb hasn't done much, and then Gus Bus obviously is kind of a coin flip. So both of them went off on my benches. That is Damn. the fantasy. Your team's too good dilemma. <clears throat> where you're like or sweating your bench that i never like doing that like i never like when my team's that good trade then I just, trade some of those people yeah Scotty. that's what i do if you're not that's starting them trade him yeah i need to this this is a weird league that i don't know anybody in so it's hard it's been difficult to get people go to make friends go give somebody cd lamb yeah yeah that was a good way to do <laughs> it. sell him high he Take was, him out he was mvp of the week yeah it's a good week good week to trade him yep. speaking of mvps and games of the week Let's talk about this game of the week. The uh, the MVP, of course, being the Tush Push. That was that's the the biggest stud of of this entire game. But the Eagles, Commanders. This is the game of the week. Eagles win this one, thirty eight to thirty one. This game was actually really close. It I mean, obviously, is, the you, Commanders you could, got their number. I well, I they didn't win, so I don't know if they have. I think they have like their beeper, and <laughs> they're, they're in the vicinity close. of the number. There yeah. you go. Um, Jalen Hurts looked electric, but I. I I kind of expect this from Jalen Hurts, if I'm being honest. Like Jalen Hurts being a top tier upper echelon quarterback that he has been touted to be, he didn't look bad. But really, I kind of want to talk about Sam Howell for just a moment because he went 39 for 52, almost 400 yards passing and four touchdowns with one interception. Is Sam Howell like is is he is he their guy? Like is is Sam Howell the Commanders quarterback of the future? I, I think if you ask a Commanders fan, fan that question, they just walk away. They don't. They don't. But want to he's talk about it. Do, like I, I mean, in in little little teaser, he's a waiver wire ad for sure. He's quarterback eight on the season for fantasy purposes. Right. Commanders are throwing the ball a shit ton. He is he, I, he's up there in the top five for quarterbacks airing the ball right now. He does it a I, shit ton, and he's doing it okay. Yeah, I think if the enemy keeps giving him that kind of volume. I mean, if he's going to throw it over 50 times a game, sure, go for it. Are you going to do that every game? I don't know. Remember, the weakness of this Eagles defense is their secondary. Yeah. And I think that, you know, obviously every team's going to know that going forward. It's going to be tough sledding to run or challenge that front seven. But, like, you can get some stuff deep. And I think that's where the where Washington found where, was making some hay there. And so I agree. I think for fantasy purposes, if he's out there and you're you're struggling to start some of these quarterbacks, and we got a lot of quarterbacks down this week. We got a yeah. lot of – you know, we're going to get into people that are out and or dead, as we're, we're going to call them. But like this, I would I think if Sam's available, I think you go get him just because he's going to get the volume, probably not mm -hmm. 50 times a game, but he's going to get there. And he definitely has the wide receivers to do it with 
Dotson and Scary Terry. Yeah, he's in the same boat as like CJ Stroud, where it's it's not the the sexiest situation, but you know he's going to throw the ball a shitload. Um, and I also I realized uh, this week what the key is for Jahan Dotson to find success, and it's just for me to talk up Scary Terry because uh, <laughs> he was on my uh, my week eight must starts. I put Scary Terry on there because he uh, over the last nine games against the Eagles. Uh, in six of them, he's put up at least 15 fantasy points, PPR points, and in four of them, he's put up at least 20. So Scary Terry against the Eagles typically does pretty well. So I talked him up. He did get a touchdown, so it wasn't a total bust. But Jahan Dotson came out with over got, 100 yards a receiving and a touchdown. Uh, he he did it. electric. He did it. I don't know if it's here to stay because it's, you know, like that's the one time in the last eight weeks that he's actually been usable for fantasy. But it was nice to see, and I'm happy for him. I, I just... I like genuinely like uh, uh, is Sam Howell going to be their starting quarterback in 2024? Like I, that is my question to the both of you. Mm. <laughs> I I think probably. I think I think they're too good unless they make some serious moves in the offseason to to trade up to one of these elite guys in the draft. Um I I think they're the team is too good that they're not going to be eligible to get one of those guys without trading. So in that situation, I would say probably. I mean, I, I don't yeah. see unless they do something crazy. That's that's the only way that they <clears> don't <throat> have him being their starting quarterback. I, I think they're in no man's land. I think they're winning too much for to move on from him and not winning enough to actually <laughs> probably draw any like free agents their way. So they're kind of stuck. Yeah. I think um, Washington, though, I mean, historically, the French, I know it's gone over ownership changes, but historically has been a team that will spend in the off season. So it'll be interesting to see if they bring up somebody that they feel like is at Sam's level, just to, in case he starts folding again, if they can bring him in. But um, I don't think they'll do it via the draft unless they trade up, which they have made moves in the past, but he mm. probably will be their starting quarterback week one. Okay. I was just curious. I, I didn't know what you, that's a conversation that I think we're going to probably, it's going to be a reoccurring conversation as, as things progress for them. So let's, let's move to the noon window. Yeah. We got to, we got to talk about something sad, guys. Um, Her cousins and his poor, poor Achilles. Uh, so now he's out for the season, uh, which is devastating because this season has been, I mean, Kirk Cousins has always been a, a pretty good quarterback. He's never, uh, you know, been one to light the league on fire necessarily, but he has been playing out of his mind this season. Uh, and he's, you know, managed to find a lot of success even without Jefferson in the lineup. But now he's out. So my question is uh, twofold, actually. What do we do with Jordan Addison? And does this injury impact the likelihood that Jay Jets comes back? I say yes to Jay Jets coming back, I think, and it, which is insane. But Yeti and I actually had <laughs> the polar opposite conversation on uh, on Wednesday or Thursday's episode, and I we were both in the camp that Justin Jefferson was going to come back. I think I'm in the camp that there's a decent chance that he does not come back. I, why risk your superstar wide receiver with a backup quarterback when your your season is effectively now over? Which sucks. I, I like Kirk Cousins a lot. I've I've been a huge supporter and and very uh, very excited for Kirk Cousins because I think I think he is a good quarterback. I think he has shown that he is a good quarterback. What Kirk Cousins has not had is a good defense. And now, um, you know, there's there's a higher level of of conversation that we'll have here in just a moment but as far as Jordan Addison is concerned I think this entire team gets a downgrade realistically for fantasy purposes I think this entire Vikings team gets a downgrade TJ Hawkinson Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne 
downgrade. What I'm interested to see, and I'm interested on your guys' opinion on this, is Alexander Madison. Because now... it's no surprise the Vikings like to throw the ball a lot with Kirk Cousins, and they've done it. He's That's what they do. They throw the ball. So are we going to see a, somewhat of a, an offensive shift to be more a little bit more focused on that run game with Alexander Madison and Cam Akers now that they don't have their star quarterback? Is that a, something that could certainly be a possibility? I mean, it's certainly a possibility. It's not what I'm excited for. I don't think... You know, Cam Akers and Alexander Madison have been streaky in their careers, and I don't necessarily trust either of them to carry an offense, but I don't know if they're going to have much of another choice outside of the Vikings going and picking up somebody like uh, there was you know, r- yeah, new rumors coming out that James Winston might join the roster, which would be electric. And honestly, I, you know, fandom for Jameis aside, because Jameis is obviously awesome and everything there is to love about football, but... Jameis and his ability to go deep with the ball, I think would actually benefit a lot of these receivers from a fantasy perspective and his willingness to just huck the ball as far as he can could be beneficial for big plays. But ultimately, you're right. I mean, everybody on this offense has to get a downgrade without Kirk Cousins behind center. Uh, I agree. I also think rest in peace to the Vikings defense if they do get Jameis Winston because they're going to be on the field a lot because <laughs> he does like to give gifts. <clears throat> I. I don't think Jefferson plays again this year, if I'm being honest. It's a contract year. If they go out there, he if he goes out there, who's throwing him the ball? He If he gets hurt, he's hosed. He's already hurt. And so it's like, I think he's going to just sit and rest and see how bad this offense is and be like, see, you need to pay me. Right, meow. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he comes back. Um, it's super sad with Kirk Cousins. And I know I sent this to you guys yesterday. Could you imagine if the Jets traded for Kirk Cousins and then he tore his Achilles Can you play four just... right now <laughs> what's up I said in play number one of the first no, game know, or like no could you imagine because when Aaron Rodgers was down there was speculations that they were going to go after Kirk Cousins and bring him over because Kirk Cousins doesn't have a home next year so they could just borrow him until Rodgers is back but could you imagine if they pick him up and then, like, and then he, he, tears just goes, he tears his Achilles they're gonna be like, oh god we're cursed <laughs> we are absolutely cursed um <laughs> Super, it, it sucks because the Vikings. He was having a great year, aside from the Vikings' record. He was he was he having was. himself a magnificent year. Yeah. So this just kind of blows. It does because blow. now the Vikings also don't have any. They can't really trade him. They can't really get anything for him at the moment because he's an old quarterback with a ruptured Achilles, and I don't know if he's going to go get Aaron Rodgers' surgery or not. But if, he might want to go look at that because that's about the only way I think he comes back in a decent amount of time for like any trade value or signing another contract. Well, that's the other that's the other side of this conversation that I wanted to have is um, Cousins is on a contract here, right? So, like, do, realistically, do we think that the the Vikings re-sign him? Because here here's what I think is Kirk Cousins certainly holds value. He has to come back from this Achilles injury and and prove that he can still play football, but that doesn't affect his arm. All that Achilles is going to do is help him move around in the pocket because Kirk Cousins has not been a mobile quarterback anyway. So, like. I think he's going to come back and still be a, a usable, good starting quarterback for any team that gets him. Would the Vikings be smart just to sign him to another two-year deal and roll with it? You're nodding yeah, your head, I, yes, Alan. I I think that they wait and see how their record turns out. I mean, they're four and four right now. They could severely go downhill from here on out. I mean, we're only halfway through the season, so they might find themselves in the draft pick conversation. Um, but the way I look at this uh, from my rosy rose-colored glasses is uh now Kirk Cousins is just at a discount for the uh Atlanta Falcons to go pick him up that prime happening. time prime time that ain't happening because they're getting Kyler Murray 
which this is just interesting and, and an ancillary thing that just came out. This is what I was when you guys were talking. I looked all confused. Um, Cardinals coach Jonathan Gannon just told reporters that either Kyler Murray or rookie quarterback Clayton Toon will start Sunday against Cleveland and not Joshua Dobbs. So mm. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I like Joshua Dobbs. He wasn't is Dobbs bad. on the move. I don't. Oh, Generally, Minnesota? you don't make a you don't make a statement like that unless he's no, you don't have any plans to be a part of the team anymore. Yeah. Well, I also think it it. I mean, making the statement to the media is one thing, but seeing what they have in tune before they decide what to do with Kyler Murray is probably a smart move given how the season has gone. I think they're just they're just checking to see what they have with everything here and seeing maybe they got a Brock Purdy under the uh, under the curtains over. I don't think look game time. Joshua Dobbs has not been bad this season. No, Joshua but, Dobbs but hasn't been bad. Winning doesn't help the Cardinals right now. No. So I think they're more in evaluating their roster than winning. Maybe. I, I don't know. That's an interesting thing that happened. My last question is, is with the Vikings now losing Kirk Cousins, does this mean that the Lions secure this division? That's my 100%. question to you boys. 100%. <laughs> Scotty doesn't. Who else is going to pa- do it? Packers don't look good. Is Tyler Bag- Bagnet? Beignet, whatever his name is, is he going to do anything? Fields is hurt. the The division just imploded around him. I don't, yeah. and I like I like what the Lions are doing, and I think yeah, they probably would have won the division anyways. But now this just makes it like less stressful for them overall. But it does highlight those divisional games. Now they have to win those. They can't drop those. You have to finish the division strong. So I think the Lions. It is for the Lions now, but now it just emphasizes like. Those are now must wins because you can't drop games to to those quarterbacks. It changes the mindset of Lions fans and the Lion organization because it went from, oh, you know, we're a pretty scrappy team that could really have a shot to now we are definitively the favorites and we need to take care of business. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes. But I agree with you. I think the Lions should walk away with it. I love you, Dan Campbell. I'm so excited for you to go to the playoffs. All right. That's it. That's enough. Kirk Cousins talk. Yeah, we got to talk about the Dolphins next um, because obviously coming off of a big win here, uh, it's another it's another bad team that they dominated. So there there there's a the Dolphins are an interesting like case study in football analytics right now because obviously when their offense is on, it seems like nobody can keep up with them. But the couple times where they played challenging defenses, the games just have looked completely different. So. Let's just assume for a second they beat the Jets the next two times they play them. They beat the Raiders. They beat the Commanders. They beat the Titans. You know, I think they'll be favored in all of those games pretty handily. I want to know what is our prediction for how they're going to do against the Chiefs next week, how they're going to do against the Cowboys, how they're going to do against the Ravens and the Bills, right? These other hard matchups that they have, because that's going to dictate whether or not we consider this team to be kind of a fraud or to be an actual Super Bowl contender. Yeah, the Chiefs game is the one I'm most excited for the Dolphins for, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think they could probably beat the Jets, um, but I, the Chiefs are really going to, I think they're going to really, that's going to be a good test for both teams. So I, I think that we, we're saving that for the Chiefs talk because you guys are Chiefs fans and you want to do that. <laughs> so I'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and, and we'll move over to Desmond Ritter here very quickly. So... Have we seen the end of the Desmond Ritter era? Scotty is the hater of Desmond Ritter. Um, He was pulled as a precaution. He was pulled due to a potential concussion. Then he was cleared from concussion, and they still did not play him for the entire second half. The Falcons let Taylor Heineke play. 
I think I think we might be seeing the end because Heineke came out there. He looked better than Ritter. And it's also worth noting that Desmond Ritter has lost his sixth straight fumble in his sixth game in a row. So um, I think it's possible. And also, I I haven't really heard any Kyle Pitts truthers recently. Where did you all go? <laughs> Where have you been, Kyle Pitts truthers? Because he's tight end 12 on the season through eight weeks. He is just another tight end with Ritter. That is the, the so all you people out there who come at me and say, well, fuck you. I, I should have played Kyle Pitts on the one week he did well. My argument to you is go pick up any other tight end and you'll probably hit on them one time if you leave them in your starting lineup throughout the season. Kyle Pitts is nothing more than a, a streaming tight end, just mm-hmm. like the rest of them with Desmond Ritter starting as a quarterback. Yeah, I think the I think the upside here is <clears throat> without Ritter fumbling the ball every two seconds. Robinson's probably going to get some more touchdowns. So hopefully Bajan will probably get out there and get some, get some touchdowns. And he got his first this week. I think that's, which is crazy to say, because he's that been so funny. electric. And I felt like on Twitter, he's just been like a highlight machine. And then he had, well, the he's one had touchdowns. He, it was just receiving touchdowns. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where his head hurt. And then he didn't get any touches. It's been a weird <laughs> year for him, but yeah, rushing touchdowns. I thought was weird, but um, so he got his first rushing. I think with Heineke in, <clears throat> I think you're going to see what the Giants did last week. I think I think Bijan's touches just go way up. Hopefully, I think the owners, Bijan owners, hoping that they don't go to Tyler Algier. Well, well, and, and he's still on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the thing is that this the 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 uh, blueprint for this offense to be successful has always been over the last two years just take care of the football, don't do anything stupid, get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, of which you have like a billion on this offense. And as I've been saying for two years, Desmond Ritter is not capable of doing that. He's just giving the ball away. He makes bad decisions. So I agree. I think anyone besides Desmond Ritter back there taking snaps, this offense is going to benefit, including all of the fantasy assets. I, it's this. They should have benched him a long time ago. This was a convenient excuse for them to put Heineke in, and I hope that Heineke plays the rest of the season there. Well, I think that they did say that Ritter would probably be the starter going into this this next week. But yeah, I think I think part of this is Arthur Smith. I think I, you look at this roster, and I think it's a shame what Arthur Smith is doing from a coaching perspective, given the talent that he has on this team. I think Arthur Smith is a bad bad head coach. That's my opinion, and is I, I'm, I know I'm you look kind of like him. I'm choosing to reserve judgment on Arthur Smith until they have a quarterback. Cause right now he's, he's at the, he is at the mercy of the roster, which, you know, you, you look at, you look at it and you say, okay, you should be able to have success with all these weapons, with an improved defense, with a good offensive line. You should be able to find success. But at the end of the day, the one person who has to touch the ball on every single play continues to give the ball to the other team. And that makes it difficult to win. You saw it with the Chiefs. When you give the ball away five times, it's difficult to win a game, no matter who you are. You have a better quarterback sitting on your bench. Yeah. That's that's Arthur Smith's fault. If you're yeah. not starting what gives you the best opportunity to win a football game, that's on him. And Taylor Heineke is better than Desmond Ritter. And I get it. He's young. You got to see. You got to let him figure it out and see if he's got it. I get that argument. But you're just, I, I think it's it's past time. I think you've se- we've seen what Desmond Ritter is, and I just don't think it's it. And I've kind of reserved that judgment on him because I understand that you have to give these rookies and these young guys enough time to get acclimated and do that. But the, at the end of the day, you have Drake London, wonderful wide receiver. 
Kyle Pitts, great wide receiver. You have two pretty damn good running backs in both Algier and Bajan Robinson, and you're still not winning games, and your defense is also good. I think that's Arthur Smith. I think that's the uh, the GM of the Falcons and them not doing something to get a good quarterback, as you've stated before, Scotty. And so I think Arthur Smith does share a part of this blame. But that's yeah, that's, that's we'll have to just see what the trajectory is. You know, if they keep, if they continue to play Ritter, I got to agree with you. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense before, and it definitely doesn't make sense given the turnover concerns. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, on the other other side of the uh, the quarterback conversation. Let's talk about Will Levis here. Because golly gee, did he look great. Uh, Titans quarterback Will Levis is slated to start. He has now earned himself the starting position. Vrabel said that he's he's going to start this week for the Thursday night game after he went 19 for 29 for 238 yards and four touchdowns. I was, I was happy. I was like, damn, it's about time. Ryan Tannehill has looked terrible for this team. And Ryan Terrible, Ryan Terrible, Ryan Tannehill went out of the game due to injury and then uh or he didn't play the at all for this entire game and then um so will have started and, and guess what d hop was usable so are, are we throwing d hop back in the starting lineups i think yeah i think you were kind of always starting him on the off chance unless you had a unless you had matt's team apparently when you had like a billion good <laughs> wide receivers you don't start him i think willis i think uh will levis too will levis i think you just ride the hot hand. I think this is smart from Vrabel. I think you can see contrasting styles in coaches where one coach mm-hmm. is like, no, this will work. Um, square square peg, round hole. Whereas Vrabel's like, this motherfucker just tossed four touchdowns and he was giving it to our best wide receiver. I like you that. We'll do more of that. Now, we'll see if, it, if they can – we'll see if they can continue because, remember, NFL, it's always – they're great until somebody has tape. And then once these D coordinators get tape, then Thank that you. becomes an issue. So I think the Titans, I think he I think he will be good for a few weeks. And then I think once that tape comes out, because even the Thursday turnaround, I don't know if that's even enough to like figure things out and implement anything. So it'll be interesting to see it, how, what kind of damage he does this week. Um, but again, it's just going to be one of those things. So if you have Hop playing Thursday, I would definitely start him because he's, if nothing else, he's going to get a ton of looks from Levis this week. Well, and at the end of the day too, I mean, the... Uh, it's difficult to look as dilapidated as the Titans have looked so far with Tannehill. So even if they're not, you know, even if Levis isn't coming out and throwing for four touchdowns every game, right, that's a pretty high bar, but he doesn't have to do a whole lot to look better than what they had. So it's a pretty low bar for him to meet. I think we'll end up seeing him start the rest of the season. I agree with that. I think Tannehill's time is over. And I think the Titans have, I mean, it's very obvious that they wanted to make some sort of quarterback change because they have two quarterbacks that are very young on their roster and they drafted Levis uh, very early in the second round. You don't waste a second round pick and just let the guy sit there and die on your roster without seeing what you have in him at some point. So I I think it's, it's probably... It's probably time for Will Levis, which is exciting. Unless your name is Trey Lance, in which or case Jordan that's Love. exactly what happens. To I you. mean, I, there's there's a, there's <laughs> there's other examples. I said that, and then I thought, you know what? Well, I don't know if Rest that's 100 true because some people do. But Jordan Love's starting now, so like I said, eventually you see what you get mm. in him. Yeah, but all right, AJ Brown. Yeah, AJ. Um, speaking of wide receivers that were getting the ball, I wanted to just quick chat about. What we thought about A.J. Brown, I think the consensus is we know he's good, but I don't think people are really realizing how good of a season he's having because it's a little overshadowed by the tush push. It's a little overshadowed by some of the things that the Eagles are doing on defense, and it is a little overshadowed by Tyreek Hill having an amazing start to the year, which he was very famously, hey, look, I went over 
uh, a thousand yards already. But if you look at AJ Brown, he's he's almost to a thousand yards already as well. <clears throat> Doesn't have quite as many touchdowns because we know Tyreek can just break them. But he's got five touchdowns. He's second in the league in receiving yards. And I feel like it's a quiet second in the league in receiving yards just from the sheer fact of we've had a lot of good wide receivers pop up. You've had uh, you've had Puka Nuke. You had you had Tyreek. You had Diggs. <clears throat> but like, why do we feel maybe A.J. Brown isn't getting enough of the love? Why do we feel like the spotlight is on him? Is it just because we know he's good and, he, and people aren't freaking out? Is it Tyreek? And I think looking ahead, and I think that Washington game was a good microcosm, but I'm very optimistic about how A.J. Brown finishes this season. Like, I do see a world where maybe he does finish with more receiving yards because the, the Eagles more secondary than does. Hill? He could. He's not far behind now. And, and yeah. he's not even, you know, he's got almost as many receptions as Tyreek. Um, the schedule gets he, a little bit tougher for the Dolphins, too. Than, yeah, than and, and I think and I think if you're looking at A.J. Brown and how the Eagles just played this last game, I think you're going to see more games where they are going to have to throw it to win. I don't think they're going to be able to get on top of a lot of these people and just shut it down and run the ball. There will be those times, but I think just the way they're targeting – Brown, the the looks he's getting, I would in I would anticipate these numbers even climbing even higher. I just wanted to see get your guys' thoughts on where this is because I think it's super interesting because I don't hear a lot of people talking about AJ Brown, but I think he deserves to be in that holy shit, what a year he's having, just like Tyreek yeah. is. Well, he's had five good weeks in a row, but I think the reason people aren't talking about him in the same vein as like Tyreek Hill is because of the slow start in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts looking rough and dealing with injuries. And obviously the first you know few weeks of the season, uh, A.J. Brown was not this version of A.J. Brown, but now he's exploded onto the scene. And I think if this continues over the next couple of weeks, uh, you're not going to see people overlooking him anymore. The, I, the thing with this this entire conversation is – we had this exact same conversation last year with just offenses in general, you know, like, and, and we were even having this conversation towards the beginning of the year where it's like, you're like that meme of the, the, the stick figure poking the dead thing. And you're like, do something like that. That was every offense in the NFL. And I, I don't know if it's here to stay, but this, the same thing happened last year. And I'm interested to see if it's going to happen again next year where offenses are just taking a long time to get warmed up. Like they really are, and to click and to mesh with each other. And perhaps that's because defenses are 100%. And as the year progresses, guys get out, guys get worn down. They're a little bit more beat up. And so the defenses are start to slow down. And that's when the offenses really start to click. That might be part of it. But like you said, A.J. Brown had a slow start. And, and we've seen it kind of elevate for fantasy purposes, of course. But also just his game has, has kind of changed. A lot of that is because of Jalen Hurts. I mean, obviously, somebody's got to throw him the damn ball. And the first couple of weeks, the Eagles were really wanted to focus on that run game, and they were. And they, that's still a, a component for them, of course. But they're they're starting to to look like the Eagles of years past, or of the last year rather. So, I I don't think anybody's freaking out about it because headlines aren't for number twos. <laughs> I, which is like what the sad line. reality. They're not. They're not, that's and good. and that's that's uh, the sad reality of it is headlines are for the number ones. So if AJ Brown beats out Tyreek Hill, yeah, I guarantee you more people are going to talk about him. But mm -hmm. he is the number two right now, and he is behind Tyreek Hill. And that's not to say that he isn't doing great because he is. But why are we going to sit here and talk about the number two guy when we can talk about the number one guy? Well, because for fantasy purposes, they're both number ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think I do think there's a world where he, he. I mean, what does he have? Five games in a row over 125 yards each mm -hmm. game. 
Yeah. And he just wasn't getting those those touchdown payoffs that you need. But, you know, he's had games where he's, you know, had over 10 targets, which is a lot for a team. When you think of Philadelphia, you think of the tush push. You think of the ground and pound. You think of that O-line, which they are dominant. But it's it's quite interesting to see that there's this there's a little bit of a shift, a little change in the wind of how they're starting to play football, which is dangerous for the rest of the league because I think everybody does go into that mindset that they're just going to run the ball down their throat, which they can still do. But I think this is really interesting if they can start to lean on some of these top-end receivers, which they absolutely should. But from a fantasy perspective, I think it'll be interesting to see at the end which of these wide receivers kind of finish with more yards. I think Hill will have more touchdowns, which will ultimately tip the scales. But certainly an interesting look at uh, the rest of the season when you, if you have A.J. Brown. I think there's a lot to be happy about. There is, and, but there, it, and it is also worth noting, they do play some difficult defenses here upcoming. They play the Bills, the 49ers, Dallas, which all have – they play Dallas twice, which have pretty good secondaries. So it just just worth noting, and that doesn't make you any less scared of A.J. Mm-hmm. Brown, but it, it is just maybe he does see a dip because they're playing more difficult defenses, or maybe he shines because they have to throw the ball. So uh, obviously he's in your starting I lineup. I think so, yeah. But, S- speaking uh, of them Cowboys, Scotty. Yeah, what we you got, got for talk- us? We got to talk about the Cowboys. Uh, it, it really seems like the Cowboys are just, it depends on the week. It depends on Dak Prescott, <laughs> whether or not he throws four interceptions or if he decides to just go off like he did this week. But uh, the main storyline with the Cowboys that I want to touch on for fantasy purposes is Tony Pollard. Um, this was a guy that depending on who you listen to in the offseason, if you're one of the, if you're like me and you listen to a bunch of different fantasy podcasts, uh, especially going into draft season, there were several people that we're talking about Tony Pollard being the runaway RB1 on the season. Uh, People were very excited. Obviously, we saw what he can do, and we were annoyed that Zeke kept taking his touches. Uh, We're like, this guy is obviously so much better, but he's RB15 on the season this year. Um, And, you know, obviously that's still good enough to be in your starting lineup, but are you, like, as a fantasy manager who owns him, who drafted him, are you considering him kind of in the bust category? I own Tony Pollard in one league and I'm upset. <laughs> like it sucks because <laughs> I, I I was so excited for it. like you said, the, the argument being is Ezekiel Elliott. He's come Zeke's taking the touches from Tony Pollard, who's clearly better. And obviously that's the case. Tony Pollard is a better running back than, Z- than Zeke of of last year. Um but I think really the conversation at hand is this. Yes, Tony Pollard is not getting it done. Obviously, he's still gonna be in in your starting lineup because because of running backs. Nobody had Zach Moss as running back four on the year. Nobody had Raheem Mostert as running back three. And some some guy named Kyron Williams is running back eight. Like, so you have all these these running backs that are are still in the top ten. Like Kyron Williams has been on the IR. This is week two now of him on the IR, and he's still in the is running back eight on the season. Like, so my point being with that is running backs are a fucking dumpster fire right now for fantasy. And like all the running backs that anybody had super high, most of them aren't panning out, Tony Pollard included. So it's very frustrating, but the running back market for fantasy football right now is nowhere near what their ADPs were when they were drafted. And Tony Pollard, he, you st- you're still starting Tony Pollard. You're still going to play Tony Pollard because he is that bell cow running back for the Cowboys. But the Cowboys just really, in my opinion, aren't good. They Yes, they, they beat the Rams, but it, it I don't know. It, it, so- he's, you're going to play him. Consider this. This is what I found really interesting. Um, If you look at Zeke's season last year, when he's sharing the backfield with a superior running back in Tony Pollard, Zeke only only averaged in 2022 a point and a half fewer points per game 
than Tony Pollard is doing this year with the sole backfield. So like last year, we're all talking, excuse me, talking shit on Zeke the whole time saying, oh my gosh, this guy sucks. Look how bad he is. Look how slow he looks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's basically producing, or he basically produced at the same rate that Tony Pollard is this season. And that is disgusting. Well, and Tony Pollard might not be around next year. Cause I think he was on a, uh, a one-year contract or, um, I think they franchise tagged him. Did they not? I'll, I'll one of the two. Keep going. Uh, so I mean, there's a chance he's not around anyway. I, I think the Cowboys kind of have to do some figuring out on a couple different pieces. Um, but yeah, it's a, a one-year deal. Okay, yeah. So, like, there's a chance he's not around anymore either. Um, I can tell you I won't draft him nearly as high as, as his ADP was this last year, but I was excited for him. I just think the, the unfortunate reality of it all is that running backs are just a – they're a bitch right now. Isaiah Pacheco. Like, I wouldn't have had him in a top-10 role. I, not at all. Not that I don't love him and think he's really fun to watch, but like the Chiefs historically with Patrick Mahomes have not ran the ball very much. So I was off on Pacheco for that reason. And and so like there's all these other running backs that are, that went late or uh, came out of nowhere or what weren't even drafted for fantasy football and, and they're they're killing it. So I think that's part of the conversation, too. Yeah. All right. Let's go over to the afternoon window and talk about the game that I don't really have any skin in and that being the Broncos Chiefs gentlemen as the both of the our Chiefs fans what do you guys want to talk about what do you guys want to do here <clears throat> let me get let me get my thoughts in real quick and Scotty I'll let you go on your rant um <clears throat> I don't have a rant look at, it's just looking sad. at the show notes this looks like quite the sonnet a rant <laughs> um so I want to I want to quick you know what we talk about it every week it's hard to win in the NFL it's hard to win in the NFL it's tough you got to win games ugly you got to do things different blah 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 um, I mean, the Chiefs just fucking turned it over too many times. That's honestly what it comes down to. They were moving the ball. They'd fumble. They couldn't score in the red zone, which has been a theme for this year for the Chiefs, but also a theme against the Broncos if you go back over the last few years with this Chiefs offense and Mahomes. No panic button quite yet. There are some concerns, but last week they just put it on the Chargers and nobody was saying anything. And then you go to this week and everybody's like, oh, God, it's over. They suck. I can't believe they lost. I think the only thing that sucks is Chiefs fans. It was kind of fun having a winning streak against the Broncos, which, yeah, you know what? It could have been longer after all the things the Chiefs have gone through as with uh, those Broncos teams from, you know, Elway um, to Manning and, you know, all the times that they put it on the Chiefs. So I, I, don't, I don't feel bad for them. It was their Super Bowl, but hats off to them. I get it. They're a struggling team, and I think they found something. It was just one of those fucking games. Pat was sick. Their play calling was shit. They were turning the ball over. And then you add all those things up and you lose a football it's game. It's cold. That's just how it goes. It's cold. Yeah. I mean, no excuses. You, I mean, you still got to play. There, there, is, there is pause for concern. But I shared it in the chat. This was just like last year when the Chiefs played the Colts. And the Colts were shit. And they found a way to lose. They turned the ball over. They didn't convert touchdowns. They looked kind of bad. And everybody's like, well, what are we going to do? What are the Chiefs doing? They don't have a wide receiver one. And they figured it out. So I think if you're a Chiefs fan, cross your fingers. They figured it out. But uh there's a reason why the uh gm brett beach was my dud of the week because he needs mm. to go get a fucking wide receiver <laughs> yeah the the worst part about this is just the creeping thought that we are the reason the broncos turn their whole franchise around <laughs> like this is the starting point from then all of a sudden being no good. shot like I don't no. think that that's going to happen, but that's the kind of thought that keeps me awake at night as a Chiefs fan, <laughs> where we look back in history and we say, oh, God, that that was the moment right there. We're the catalyst for Russell Wilson to be a top <laughs> I, I, five quarterback again. 
He's depressing. playing. Russ is playing really well. I told. Yeah, I, I sent is. you the text. It's forty chess. The Chiefs won to keep the Broncos out of those top five picks. Like <laughs> that's all they're doing. They just don't want the Broncos to have those top picks. That's my smart. spin zone of the week. That was just yeah. a smart I, play by them. It's funny. I so in in uh, Thursday's episode, I was talking to Yeti, and and we looked at this game, or and I said, I don't know why. But I could see the Broncos doing something crazy and maybe winning this game because, like, it, the, those divisional games season. are those divisional games are just funky. They always are, and it, it's not just the Broncos and the Chiefs. Most divisional games, crazy shit happens, and I wanted the Chiefs to win because I think Sean Payton is a scumbag piece of shit. But unfortunately, they got to win this time around. And I was I was rooting for the Chiefs. I really was. But I will say this: I did think it was pretty hilarious that they blared Taylor Swift after they won the game. Was it a slap in the face for Chiefs fans? Yes, it was. But I did laugh because I'm like, you guys are so hey. fucking bad, but you you're just <laughs> taking like you're taking your dubs as oh, you can get them, dude. and and you got to appreciate that from just Listen. like a a hilarious there, piece. There was a Sunday night game or Monday night game when Tom Brady came with the Patriots and the Chiefs just bit, beat the ever-loving shit out of him. Like, it was great. There was pick sixes. Chiefs were scoring at will. The game was over. They benched Tom Brady. That was cathartic as a Chiefs fan because we were just getting our dicks kicked in every week. I, f- I understand what that's like. I get it. Celebrate it. You should because you're getting your dicks kicked in and now you 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 know you beat you, you beat the, the big bad uh, boy on the block, um, which would be the Chiefs. But So I get it, and I, I understand that feeling. I think it's just... Week by week, we'll see how it looks. But if I'm Broncos, I think the one thing I'm encouraged with is how much this defense has turned around from that Dolphins game where mm-hmm. they gave up 70. And I honestly think everybody's looking at the Broncos team and they've kind of put that banner on them like, you can score 70 on them. You know, I don't think this is the same team. I think they had a great game plan. I think the Chiefs did a lot of things to hurt themselves. And so we got to where we were. But there, there was a lot to like if I'm a Broncos fan looking at the, how this defense has improved over the last few weeks from that from that Dolphins game. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, um, the, the, the rant will conclude with, uh, uh, the chiefs blew it. Uh, we, we've got two losses on the season and both of them, the chiefs blew it. I mean, we, we gave them the victory dropping balls, turning the ball over. It's, it's, it's hard to win in the league and it's even more difficult if you're just going to give the other team a bunch of extra possessions. That's just the end of the day. You know, you look at the chiefs defense in this game, um, you know they held Denver to 240 total yards, which is the fewest win or the fewest yards in a Broncos win since 2017. The Chiefs had more yards. Uh, Russ threw for three touchdowns, but he only had 114 total passing yards, which is what happens when you get a bunch of extra possessions in good field position. Um, no Denver receiver had more than 50 yards receiving. The Chiefs had two. Uh, Javante looked decent, uh, but he was held to, th- you know, 3.1 yards per carry, which isn't exceptional. Pacheco had five yards per carry. So you look at the stat lines and there's a lot of ways you can, you can look at it and say, well, the chiefs played a, a okay game compared to the Broncos. But again, it all comes down to five turnovers. You give it, you Sound- give them the ball five times. That's just the way it goes. Sounds like you're comparing dick sizes. That's what it sounds <sighs> nice. like to me. And yeah, unfortunately nice. you might this have is- the bigger dick, but the other guy got laid. <laughs> Any 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 given Typical. week, man. It's like watching Iowa football. You're like, I'm not sure how they just won that game, but they did. <laughs> they just won that game, and that's how I feel yeah. about the Broncos. So uh, I want to talk. I want to talk. Hold a on, I have about... a question. Okay. I have a question before we move off the Chiefs. I do have a question here. Uh, you know, we we talked about the wide receivers, and we saw we, that has been a constant form of conversation. But realistically, you guys are going to go to the playoffs. Like that's that's not a com- that's not a, a conversation. Do you wholeheartedly believe that you are better than the Eagles this year? 
I didn't think we were better than the Eagles last year. Yeah, I didn't think so last year going into the Super Bowl. But okay. the thing with the Eagles was, and this is the only the thing we said ahead of that game was, the Chiefs had the better head coach and the better quarterback. And a lot can happen if you have those two things. And I still think they have the better head coach, and I still think they have the better quarterback. So a lot can still happen. Um, I think the Chiefs wide receivers, uh, mainly it's Nagy and Reed. Like why they are not giving Rasheed Rice more touches. Like every time he touches the ball, He's gone, or he runs somebody over. Or he his looks yak like is he, awesome. If he can, he looks like he can score anytime he touches the ball. And why they keep giving the ball to Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony to like Kadarius Tony for as fast as he is turns like a fucking boat. Like he's I don't scary understand. Looking. Like he, as a human being, he's scary looking. Well, he they give him the ball and he just like runs into people. I'm like, dude, are you are you fucking blind? And then Sky Moore had a touchdown <laughs> catch in his hands. Like it was a fourth down play. Mahomes threw it up. The guy drops it. So it's like as much as people want to pile on Mahomes, which he didn't have a great game either by any stretch, but it's a little difficult if you don't trust anybody outside of Kelsey to like make a play for you or like, I'm mm-hmm. going to put this up and you'll catch it. it. It it clouds the room a little bit. And I think the Chiefs, if they want to win, one, give Pacheco more than eight fucking carries. Yeah, that's and what I was two, say. give the ball to Rasheed Rice. Like those are the two things they, they'll need to do. So uh, we'll yeah. see what happens in Germany. Um, but I'm very excited for this game. This Dolphins well, Chiefs game is upcoming week. It's going to be fun. That's what I wanted to talk about because there, I think there's, this is a big narrative game uh, because obviously the Chiefs, uh, you know, l- losing this last week, going and if they lose to the Dolphins, I feel like the haters are going to pile on. But I actually think that the implications would be worse for the Dolphins given the fact that they haven't beat any solid teams yet. If they lose to the Chiefs, I think they're going to be in hardcore fraud territory, especially after the Chiefs just dropped one to the Broncos. So I'm interested in your thoughts. Which which narrative is worse for which fan base if if one of these teams loses? I think it's not good for either. I agree. But I think they're I know equally that's, bad. That's a, that's a cop-out to answer your question, but I completely agree with Alan in that entirety. I think either narrative for either team is really bad because mm-hmm. you're I, I think that you know I think the Chiefs are a better team for for both the head coach and quarterback reasons but there's a lot of weapons on this Dolphins team and I think either team could win this game meaning either team could also lose this game and the narrative for either team would be bad the Chiefs taking a two two losses in a row to both the Dolphins and the Broncos would not look good and the Bron- or the Dolphins historically are beating the shit out of bad teams and they're losing to good teams so you can have that conversation well are the Chiefs shit then if if the Dolphins are going to beat them and and I think this is going to be a good game I don't think that's a I don't right. think that narrative is fair for either team because I do think they're both good teams, but I think that the the narrative to be spun is going to be bad for our, oh, whatever yeah. team loses this game. I think I think if you're sensitive to haters, um, or if you're sensitive to a lot of like everything in the NFL is hyperbole. They're the greatest this, they're the worst that, they're the shittest this, they're the worst. He's down. That's over. Everything's hyperbole week to week. You go to the beginning of the season with the Jets. You talk about Russell Wilson last year. He's actually playing pretty decent this year. I think it's a little cloak and dagger for him because I think he's not necessarily winning them games as much as he's not losing them like he was. But I think I think there's a lot where it's, you know, hyperbole, up and down. And I know we have next coming up what we want to talk about is the same exact thing with the Bengals. <laughs> I'm going to say this, gentlemen. I'm rooting for the Dolphins this week. I nice. just got to let you know, this is the last game that I'm Perfect. rooting for a team that the Chiefs play. Until they play the Lions. Well, well uh, you need to do that more often because uh-huh. all the teams you root for suck. So well, the Lions beat you guys. So in Week One, so I don't know what that says. But the, the I, this is the only have, other game. 
Yeah, the Chiefs still have the Bengals, the Eagles, and the Bills still this season on top of their the rest of their divisional games. I want you guys to beat all of them, but I do want the Dolphins to win this game. I've I circled this one and I said this is the last time I uh, and I just want to let you guys know because I I'm just proving to you that I can root for the Chiefs, but I also don't have to. And there are other teams, and I do want the Dolphins to win. Quick side note before we transition here. I do have some friends that are diehard Dolphins fans, and they still say I the Chiefs owe them for Ryan Fitzpatrick beating the Patriots and giving the Chiefs the one seed for the first Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know when I pay up. I don't know if it's this game. I might have paid Sorry, up by giving Scotty. them Tyreek Hill. Scotty, I might have to sacrifice. They said that wasn't good enough. Uh, I might have to <laughs> oh, sacrifice okay. this game. So they're delusional. I don't. I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. They yeah, gave us they a Super Bowl. Make I don't know either. how much that costs. Actually, I do know how much that costs because I bet against the Chiefs all last year. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. And it it hurt. You and I both just kept going, going against you, the grain. You want to know something funny? My wife just found out how much I spent <laughs> against the Chiefs. She's like, "You did what?" Because I was talking about it very like nonchalant, and I was like. I'm sorry. It was a long time ago. <laughs> the value of the dollar was really high. It was a different yeah. me. I don't know. All right. Let's talk about the Bengals. Are the Bengals back? That's my question to you boys, because Joe Burrow finally looked healthy coming off of the bye week this last week. This offense certainly benefited from him looking good. He went 28 for 32, so he was just airing it out with a lot of success. He had 283 yards passing and three touchdowns. Also, somehow, he was rushing the ball a shit ton. He had 48 rushing yards. He had a couple decent scrambles, of course. So while Chase, being Jamar Chase, is in starting lineups and he's not going anywhere, do, do we start to get more comfortable with the idea of starting T. Higgins again? Yeah. Yeah, what we witnessed through the start of the season is just the normal Joe Burrow forgets how to play football in the offseason, and it takes him three to five weeks to figure it out again, and then uh, now he's back, <laughs> so we're good. Uh, now, I, I obviously the Bengals are as good as any team in the league when they're on their game, so T. Higgins is someone that I drafted a lot of. Um, obviously, it hasn't panned out all too well, but I think if they're going to start throwing the ball 30 to 40 times a game and Joe Burrow is going to be as accurate as he was, uh, I think anybody is in line for touchdowns touchdowns week by week do you have anything you want to add alan yeah i was gonna say and i this is gonna come across as a Bengals hater it's not because i think the Bengals are obviously really good um but is it more that the niners defense is kind of a trash can because if you look at some of the numbers they've given up to quarterbacks it's not like they were just like putting the lid on everybody and joe burrow figured it out they gave up 378 yards passing and two touchdowns to kirk cousins they, obvi- they let some guy named Walker, I forget what his name was, was it PJ Walker, PJ, throw for almost yeah. 200 yeah. yards in a loss. And then Dobbs put up 265 yards and two touchdowns against the 49ers. And these are quarterbacks that aren't like top tier except for Kirk Cousins. But even Kirk Cousins throwing for almost 400 yards and two touchdowns against the Niners is, is something to be said. So to have Burrow do it doesn't surprise me because that's where they've been trending the last few weeks is they've been giving up a lot of yards. I think this could be a good get-right game for the Bengals. So I think if you're like... Hey, we remembered how to do this. Um, again, we'll see where it trends. We'll see when they have to pay because they get they get the bills Sunday night. So no. if they put it on the bills, I would say yes, they're back. I'm not willing to say they're back quite yet until that Bills game. But I think the I think this might be more the 49ers defense being very, very leaky. Yeah, but the counter argument is is so is everybody else they've really played. In weeks four, five, and six, before they had their bye, they played Tennessee, Arizona, and the Seahawks. And like all their defenses are also statistically pretty leaky. Like I think the highest one on there is a top fifteen passing defense. So the rest of them are like kind of bad 
or not great. And so I get that the 49ers defense is leaky, but I also think that like perhaps he is healthy now and perhaps he's kind of gotten over that calf injury and maybe he's there. I think I would probably I, – I guess I don't know who you'd be considering flexing instead of T. Higgins or, or starting instead of T. Higgins. But like I think – I agree with you, Alan. I think this is going to be really like prove-it-to-me game. This is kind of what I see this Buffalo game as. Is And even if they lose but Joe Burrow still looks like Joe Burrow exactly. of, of past, I'm exactly. still back mm-hmm. in. But exactly. that's I want I want to see it because like you said the 49 I get their defense is a little leaky. Yeah, I think the the biggest fantasy fear for this game is Josh Allen, uh honestly. Like if if you're deciding on whether or not playing or whether or not you want to play T Higgins, uh if Josh Allen comes out and starts heaving the ball to the other team like he has been, you know, doing on a relatively regular basis, you know, we might not get the passing volume that we want out of this game. So Josh Allen might be the biggest reason to be concerned about people like T Higgins. Well, and you know, you're talking about throwing the ball to the other team. Do we do we hit the panic alarm on Brock Purdy? Do we hit, hit the panic alarm on the whole 49ers organization right now? Because they've lost th- the last three games that they've played. Big Cock Brock is certainly not looking wonderful right now. He's th- he threw two interceptions this last game and he fumbled another one and didn't get it back. And then in the other two games that they lost, he threw three picks within those two games. So in the last three games, he's had six turnovers. So is the honeymoon phase over? Are we hitting the panic alarm on the 49ers? Like, where are you guys out with this? Because it's something that is certainly not a good look for them. Not a I good look the, for one of the Super Bowl favorites. I think he's hurt, man. He's got that concussion, then he hit his head again against the Bengals, and they still left him out there. I think he's. I think his brain is scrambled at the he's moment. getting a little Tua? I think he honestly he is because you saw he said they said he had concussion system symptoms on the flight and then they like magically cleared him and they said he was going through these concussion protocols faster than any human ever and I'm like okay cool and then you see him get sacked and he smacks his head again and he immediately holds it after the sack and he I he just you know your brain being scrambled doesn't almost equate it to like a hangover like you ever tried to like do anything like on a severe hangover like fuck that like you're not thinking straight you feel off you want to cry and i imagine that's where like purdy is right now you just feel off and you want to cry so i don't know i think the 49ers might be in some heat i think they might be in some dolphins heat here coming very shortly i wouldn't be surprised if you see more rumors and stories coming out where they like passed him and shouldn't because that's what i get the feeling kind of watching the game and then seeing some reading the tea leaves so you think it's more concussion based than the 49ers like you're not hitting the panic alarm on the 49ers for like playoff push or anything or they're how good they are you just think it's brock purdy's brain i think it's his brain yeah. i think he's hurt i think they, they also have injuries have. on this team too where they, they you know we've we've seen them with and without debo now and the impact that he has on the offense um you know i i think that they're going to be fine they're going through a rough patch right now but once they get everybody healthy i think they'll be back to and and honestly the the underlying thing here that we, we mentioned kind of at an as an in an ancillary way is their defense giving up so many passing yards where in recent past, you know, they haven't been giving up yards. Their defense has been incredibly stout and have allowed their offense to completely control the game. And if they're going to start giving up passing yards and force Brock Purdy into having to make throws that he otherwise wouldn't have to make, as opposed to just running screens all day long, you know, he's going to be exposed a little bit as the inexperienced quarterback that we forget he is. Well, and that's that's part of the conversation too. Is perhaps Brock Purdy he hasn't had to make those difficult plays. So then you look at it, and when his defense is failing him, and and he has to carry more of that burden, can he get it done? 
Like that's the other side of the conversation. And you're, I don't know. I, Alan, you smirked and then you kind of shook your head. Yes or no. I didn't know what that was. So why don't you, what do you think? I think we knew that already. Right. I think we knew Brock Purdy wasn't going to win you very many games. I think what the, the appealing thing to him for this 49ers team was they just needed somebody that wasn't going to lose them a lot of games. And now they need him to win some games. And I think you're seeing what that looks like when he has support. I think he is hurt, but I do, I don't think anybody with like, if you put him on a lie detector test was like, yeah, Brock Purdy's like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think statistically he was because of the weapons around him. But then when he had to press and he had to do something with it, I don't think anybody was trusting him with the keys to that car necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was more just like, don't, don't scratch or dent this one. And yeah. now they're like, okay, we need you to go on the interstate and we need you to get there in like two <laughs> minutes. And he's like, Oh God. So yeah, well, I, that- I think it's, I think it's a little bit of, we knew that. I think now we're just seeing that come to fruition and he can't just kind of hang back. That's exactly right. And I think even, even without the you know last couple games, we know that that was the mindset based on the way that they treated this quarterback room, picking up Sam Darnold, who's another sort of game manager type, getting rid of Trey Lance, who's more of a dynamic player that might force more turnovers than they want, right? That's exactly what they thought of Brock Purdy. And now they're putting him in a position where he can't play like that. So we'll have to wait and see, but I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to make a deep playoff push. Uh, ultimately, this team is too talented to to fall overly short. Sure. Okay, well, we don't have any brain busters, so no questions today. So we'll just go to the waiver wire, and then we'll get the hell out of here. I brought in a couple people to the table that I just briefly want to have a conversation about because waiver <laughs> wire is how you win fantasy football. So we'll start with Will Levis. Will Levis is going to be a very high purchase this week, and I am here to tell you, please do not purchase Will Levis. I don't think it's a good idea. I understand he had a good week, and I am excited to see what he could become but I don't think he's worth a waiver wire grab unless you're in a really, really deep league. And I think it's for everything that is kind of Allen had already stated previously. There's no tape on him. There's no tape on this guy. And he comes out and he's able to get it done. But I don't think that it's going to continue. Let's not forget he was playing the Falcons, who do have a decent defense, but they're they're not in, incredible either. I don't know. I'm just not buying Will Levis. I don't know. Are, I mean, are you guys going to stash him in your leagues? Uh, given all these quarterback injuries... Maybe, um, but ultimately, I'm not going to spend a lot of fab on a guy who's had one no. good game. <laughs> okay, I agree. No, but a lot of people are going to, and that's the scary part, and that's what I don't want them to do. What I would like them to do is go get Taysom Hill, though. I think Taysom Hill is somebody I would be looking to add. He's 41% roster right now, and he can easily slide into those tight end positions for you guys. He is that swift Swiss Army knife for the Saints. He led the team in rushing last week with 63 yards. He threw two touchdowns, and he also caught a 14-yard ball and go get him like he's a tight end like you you're not getting that out of Kyle Pitts shots fired like you're not (laughs) you're not getting like the the upside for him is there and I'm not going to say he's going to get it done every week but the fact that he is that the Swiss Army knife for the Saints and they will line him up in any sort of position that to me is certainly worth throwing him in the tight end position and, and you're crossing your fingers that He's going to throw a 50-yard ball, and then he'll run it for 10 yards, and then he'll also make a catch for another 10 yards. And, and there you go. There's your tight end points. For does, he, does he still have the QB tight end designation? Yeah, he can play in either yeah, position. It's the best. It that's is. It's almost yes. fun to have just to be like, you never know what the fuck I'm going to do with 100%. Him. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad you said that because I actually have, and for the last couple of years, I've always picked up shares of Taysom Hill for that reason because the tight end position is so disgusting, and it's such a crapshoot. 
every single week, like literally, literally no matter what. So why not pick up a guy who might throw for a couple touchdowns and also get a few carries out of the backfield? Like you're not seeing that usage with anybody else at, no. the, at that position. So I agree with you hundred percent. I've, I started in a couple leagues this week and man, I'm congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. He's probably the tight end one. Another tight end that's worth looking at is Trey McBride. He is the second-year tight end for the Cardinals. Uh, he went 10 for 14. Always Cardinals on this list. Well, the, the, the reason this the Cardinals are on this list is because nobody rosters the Cardinals because we're so I bad. Know. So, know, like, but, but there's <laughs> – he went 10 for – he got 14 targets as a tight end. Like, the target share there is insane, and Zach Ertz is out. So, um, And we – Zach Ertz was getting a very high target share. So – Switch it over to, to Trey McBride. He went 10 for 14 for 95 and 1. He's 28% rostered, and he is clearly an easy check down for this Cardinals offense. I wrote all of this before we found out Joshua Dobbs is no longer going to be starting, but I think with Kyler Murray coming back and the uncertainty of what he looks like, Trey McBride could also benefit from that as a check down. And I also have Kyler Murray on here because he's only 57% rostered. So it, I, I had, like I said, I wrote all this beforehand, but... Kyler Murray's going to come back here pretty soon. And I would be rostering Kyler Murray, but don't start him the first week. I want to see what he can do coming off of his injury. Statistically, before Kyler Murray had torn his ACL, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Him coming back is certainly exciting for the possibility of what he could be. But don't get a, don't expect the same results out of the gate for him. I would just set him on the bench if you have a waiver wire spot to or a uh, a bench spot to fill and just just hold him and see what he could be because if he comes back and looks like Kyler Murray of, of last season then congratulations you've got a starting quarterback and the last quarterback that I have on this list because there has been so many quarterback injuries is Sam Howell he is the quarterback to replace Kirk Cousins for anybody that has rostered Kirk Cousins and lost him this season go get Sam Howell in fact He's quarterback eight on the season, so he is worth a starting quarterback spot right now. And he's the with how much the commanders are throwing the ball, I like Sam Howell as an own. He's forty six percent rostered, and like I said, they're throwing a lot. So statistically, he's not rushing a shit ton. You don't have that upside there. But as long as he's throwing the ball and connecting with any of his wide receivers down the field, that's exciting for me, and I would want to own him. So I would pick him up in in, in replacement of Kirk Cousins. And that's it, boys. That's all we got. That's the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you Wait, guys doing this. What about our predictions? Oh, yeah. yeah my bad. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Lions Raiders. <laughs> Allen, who wins the game tonight? Um, I told Yeti I would do this. Fuck the Raiders. I told him I'd give him some Raiders hate. So yeah, that, that's my Raiders it, yeah. hate. I generally don't I generally don't feel that way. Um I do think Detroit getting a Monday night game for the first time in like five years is gonna be the it's gonna be electric. I'm sure Dan Campbell's going to have the dips of all dips in. He might even like pre-cut his gums to make sure he's got all of that Mm. tobacco. Maybe just, (laughs) Um, yeah, I like the lines. Um, This is my Super Bowl. um, Just so you guys know, Uh, I hate both of these teams and I'm excited (laughs) to watch either one of them lose. So uh, I think the lions are going to win because they're obviously the much better team, but if they lose, I'll be happy. And if uh, Las Vegas gets their shit kicked in, I'll be happy. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be America's hater sitting on the couch, just cheering for bad stuff to happen. Equal opportunity hater. I love it. Hunter, you hate more than anybody in the world. (laughs) Anybody in the world, you hold the title. I, I love You've Dan Campbell lost. and I love the Lions, and they're going to beat the fuck out of the Raiders tonight. Go, 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 Lions. Go, Tigers. Yeah.
Go Tigers. Go. God. I wish he was still around. I fucking love him. Go Tigers. All right, boys. I appreciate it. This has been fun. For anybody listening, we do greatly appreciate the support. If you could click the subscribe button, give us five stars, man. It truly does mean the world. And I would appreciate if you guys could take the three seconds to do that because it does support such a, a small podcast such as ourselves and continuing to grow and help more people. So that's what we're here to do. And we couldn't do it without all you brainiacs out there. So we do appreciate it. Let's get out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.